Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. I'm Isla Garcia, Master's Degree of Nutrition Science and Registered Dietitian, and I'm going to make weight loss realistic, sustainable, and uncomplicated for your busy lifestyle. On this podcast, me and my team of registered dietitians will decipher the latest nutrition research, dissect fad diets, and discuss social media trends for you so you can feel confident knowing what to eat to achieve your health goals. Research suggests that most weight loss programs aren't successful, but my experience has taught me that this is not because the participants aren't committed. It's because those diets are designed by non-nutrition professionals and center around severe restrictions. We are here to provide the facts about the science of weight loss so you can have the success you want and continue living your best life. Hello, it's Isla. I'm in my office because I forgot to reserve the podcast room at the WeWork that I am working out of. But if you're ever wondering what my office looks like and you want to become a client, this is what you're going to see. But on today's episode is our interview episode of the month with our new schedule. And it's someone I've been wanting to have on the podcast for a while. When Vanessa and I throw around ideas of who we want on, we always try to get a neuroscientist and we got one. Dr. Julie Frattentoni is a cognitive neuroscientist and received her PhD in cognitive neuroscience from the University of Texas at Dallas. She's also a licensed speech language pathologist, board certified in biofeedback, a 200 hour certified yoga instructor and trained in breathing and mindfulness techniques. She now focuses her work on maximizing brain performance. The brain is the driver of everything in our life. So we've got to talk about it when it comes to weight loss from forming healthy habits to cravings to emotional eating. We talk about it all in today's episode and even tie in our theme in millennial living with hydration. So let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Julie. How are you doing? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. Good. And where are you located again? I'm in Dallas. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe that's also why I was like really inclined to want to be with you because I'm in Fort Worth. I don't know if you realize that. Okay. Yes. I think you had mentioned it and then I we hadn't chatted about it yet. Um, Love that you're so close by. Yes. But like, what about this heat? I feel like, so I'm actually new. I've only been here for a year and a half. And the first summer I think was fun. And this summer I'm like miserable. <laughs> How do you like survive? Yeah. Well, well, I grew up in Arizona, so I guess I'm oh, used to heat. Yeah. Um, where did you move from? Uh, the Carolinas, which is like hot, but it's humid, but we always have the coast where here it's like, I'm like, what do you people do here? Mm, yeah, it is rough in the summers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's just dive in. I'm super excited with our questions. And I will say this is the most audience questions we've ever received. I didn't know so many of our followers would be super interested. So I want to make sure we can kind of get to as many as possible. And I'm just like, weave them in. So let's get going. Um, I always like to ask any new foods or like wellness habits you're into recently that can potentially expose other people to some things they're not already doing. One thing that I've been just doing more of lately is, um, do you, you, do you ever take Moringa? No. Okay. It's like a, it just has a ton of phytonutrients and like, it's just like a green powder that I will mix into like sometimes like almond milk and like a little bit of maple syrup and like cinnamon. It's kind of bitter. So you sort of, you need a little something to sweeten it, but it also kind of gives you an energy boost. Um, if you are trying to avoid caffeine or like, I don't do well with coffee. Um, and so that's something I've been doing in the mornings. Um, and I've also started doing acupuncture, um, to help with my leaky gut. So, um, a couple of times and, I've been having fun with that. That is so fun. I bought an actually like an acupressure mat, I think it's what's called. Have you seen those? Yes. Do you like it? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it's painful and it's like not one of those things that like gets better when you do it. Like the longer you sit there, the more it hurts. So it's hard. But my physical therapist is like, this would be really good, like for digestion or even for relaxation. And you feel like more calm after I get off of it. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. I've only like, I've seen the ones where you like walk across like the ones for your mm-hmm. feet, um, some different acupressure points. Anyway, I, yeah, they're, they're painful. <laughs> yeah. But the science is interesting. I used to be like, oh, is that like a woo-woo thing? But then the more I looked into it, I'm like, no, it does like make sense. If it's like releasing muscle tension and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. So the first question I have, just like a really broad question so people can understand why we're even connected here is why should we work on our brain or care for our brain if we're trying to live a healthier life? So your brain controls everything you do, right? Literally everything we depend on it. And for all these things we are conscious of and unconscious of, um, and it's just the center you can't, you know, and the brain and body are so intertwined. So it's hard to have a healthy body without a healthy brain. It's hard to have a healthy brain without a healthy body. So it's really, um, one big complex system. And I think we, take our brain for granted because we can't see it and we don't have a lot of visibility or insight into how it's doing or what it's doing or how it's helping us do the things that we want to do. Um, And so it's just been overlooked for a long time. Also the research we've learned so much in the last several decades about neuroplasticity, how, you know, how we can actually change the brain. I think before, you know, it's like, it didn't, if you thought that you couldn't do anything about it, then there was no point in thinking Mm -hmm. about it. And so, yeah, to just understand how integrally connected, um, you know, everything specifically nutrition, but really like all realms are just vital. And, um, and it's, you know, our main fuel and energy source for the brain. And then the brain controls everything else we do. So excited to dive into this. Yeah. I know when I was like making these questions, I was thinking, I was like, it is, seems like a broad topic, but I was also like, I feel like as we're going through, hopefully kind of see, I feel like I was thinking of like how we can talk about how what we eat is going to help our brain, but also like vice versa and how our brain can like really impact our choices and things like that. So I'm, I am understanding what you're meaning by like, it really is involved in everything. It seems. Also, if you think about, you know, with modern technology and medicine, we, the human lifespan has doubled in the last mm. century. So people are living to be in their eighties, but our brains are not keeping up with our bodies. And so something is going on there and who, you know, who wants to live to be 80 or a hundred if your brain is not working well, right? Like so it's just such an integral part of an overall healthy lifestyle and to be thinking proactively, not just about, you know, today or what you look like, but the brain that you're building right now, like you're building your 80 year old brain right now in your teens, in your twenties. What a good point. Um, how does our brain impact our food choices? So kind of thinking about like, I guess, reversed. Yeah. So we know, um, there's the gut brain connection and, um, so your vagus nerve is helping to send signals. There's also we could go into the microbiome, but basically, um, you know, these bugs that live in your gut that, um, communicate with your, with your central nervous system that tell your brain, you know, what neurotransmitters to produce what's going on. So you're kind of getting this back and forth signaling all the time. And, um, essentially it's kind of like, if you're in, I don't know, if you're not feeling great or say you're feeling anxious or say you're feeling depressed, right? Saying you're stressed, um, that's going to impact your ability to think clearly and reason. And so when you're in sort of a more fight or flight, um, your parasympathetic nervous system, um, it's much harder for your frontal lobe. So your prefrontal cortex is what makes us different from animals. It's what helps us to, um, you know, 
plan, judgment, problem solve, make decisions. Um, and so when kind of more of the fear-based centers of the brain, emotion centers are taking over, it's like emotional eating, right? Coping with stress, like instead of it's actually harder to think and reason to make a better decision because you're letting that kind of emotional limbic system mm -hmm. is in the driver's seat at that point. So that's just, I guess, one example of how strongly connected, um, you know, your body can influence your brain's ability to function. And then if your brain is in that state, it also then impacts like your ability to digest your food and all of that. Yeah. So it sounds like you're just saying like, if we learn how to take care of our brain, it can kind of work with us if we're trying to make health changes and it can maybe even like make it easier. Yes. Um, what about kind of like vice versa? Like how do the food and lifestyle choices that we make impact our brain's health? And this was specifically an audience question. Everything you're doing, the brain that you have is a brain that you have built based on the way that you use it, based on what you do every day. Um, and now it's not fixed. It's not stuck that way. You can change it if you choose to um, to add a new habit or do something differently, but it will take time for your brain to kind of readjust. And so mm -hmm. just knowing that I like using the analogy um, of an algorithm where, you know, it's just continually updating with the, the environment that you're in, with what you're thinking about, what you're feeling is giving your brain that information. And then it's adapting to say, okay, how do I, how do I survive? We're wired mm -hmm. for survival. Um, so really knowing that every single thing you're doing, how much you sleep, how much you're outside, how much you exercise, um, what you eat, um, the thoughts that you think, the people that you're around, um, the challenges you encounter, all of those things are going to, you know, are what build and form your brain, um, what strengthen certain connections and weaken others. And then um, those connections and the way that you're thinking then also influence back how you view the world and how you choose mm -hmm. to interact with it. So getting into things like mindset. So definitely is a lot of back and forth. Gotcha. Yeah. I feel like you're kind of speaking to affirmations, which I also used to think was a woo-woo thing. And then my therapist is like, no, I like, you know, think about it. The more, you know, bad things you tell yourself, the more you're going to like see the world that way too. And the more I've kind of implemented those, it is so true. And I feel like, is that kind of like kind of what you're getting at as an example? Yeah, definitely. The thoughts that you think, I mean, even on a, a cellular level, that's the electrical signals that your brain cells are sending to each other. And um, from that, that tells your body what state to be in, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just like a thought is something in the air, right? Like these are actual chemical and electrical signals that are happening in your brain and it impacts, you know, physically your immune system, your heart rate, like all these other aspects of your body um, are directly impacted. So I think if people really understood how powerful their thoughts are, they would, you know, like be more, I guess, intentional to practice um, what it is to, you know, um, really eliminate negative self-talk and really improve or increase how much um, just the way that we are speaking to ourselves or the types of thoughts that we're allowing to be in our head. Today's episode is brought to you by Cloud Chips. This friend reached out to me and I thought it would be a great product to talk to you about because it's a crunchy, carby snack for a super low amount of calories. They are puffed wheat and rice chips that are about a third of the amount of calories compared to the standard chip. So if you're a volume eater, this is for you. You can eat it by itself and swap it with any other high calorie savory snack like pretzels or chips, or use it for chips and salsa to increase the amount of produce you're eating without greatly increasing the calories by piling on those oily tortilla chips. I have a discount for you that is 10% off if you go to the website cloudship.com slash millennial15, spelling millennial, M-I-L-L-E-N-I-A-L. Use the code millennial15, again, M-I-L-L-E-N-I-A-L-15 at checkout. We'll link it below as well. 
get your lightest airships today. Um, we had another audience question that was like super niche. Um, so any information on this would be helpful. Um, somebody asked how does chronically under eating affect the brain, which I think is important because I often work with people who come from these like really crazy bad diets where they think it's okay to only be eating like 500 calories a day. So can you speak to that at all? Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not an expert or like, can't, yeah, just want to disclaim that I'm definitely not a nutrition expert. Um, but I can tell you what I understand about food and it's a central role in keeping a brain healthy. And mm -hmm. so the foods that you eat, um, your body breaks those down into the amino acids that form our neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters are chemical messengers, things like dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, um, that signal for really not just brain, but body functions as well. Um, and so if you're not getting the basic building blocks that your brain needs for to even create these certain chemicals, that's going to um, interfere with your brain function kind of on that level. Um, but then also, you know, just thinking about um, how that's affecting all your other body systems, if it's affecting you know, your cardiovascular system, the ability to get blood flow to your brain to help mm -hmm. it um, get the nutrients and oxygen that it needs. So really, um, I just would imagine that anytime you um, are not, you know, are malnourished or are not getting the proper nutrition that your body needs, that you're going to, you're going to see um, just either decline in function um, and just potentially have some issues. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's something I used to work in a hospital and that it's always like, a like, I feel like the thing people don't really know a lot about is like severe alcoholics have like early onset dementia because of how the, the vitamins and minerals kind of work all the way up to your brain. That's kind of like what that's reminding me of, of what you're saying. And I never work with people who are like severely, severely, like super malnourished for long periods of time. But I know that there is that connection there with that. You posted a couple of misconceptions on your Instagram, which I think are super interesting. So I thought um, it'd be cool to kind of go through them. So the first misconception you said was that superfoods can prevent dementia. Can you talk about this? Because we got so many questions about this too on Instagram. I, I'm curious how, how you feel about the term superfoods. Do you use yeah, that? I'm not a fan. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, most people in this space aren't. And I agree. I'm with you on that. I think that it's kind of a misleading term. I think that there aren't good and bad foods. I think there's foods that, you know, you just got to be aware of how, how they, what they do for your body. Um, but so yeah, no single food in isolation is going to be able to prevent dementia. Um, it's all about lifestyle and it's all about finding your own unique balance that you need. Um, so yeah, when when it comes to, you know, there is research around certain kind of diets, but again, a diet is a lot more of a lifestyle and a culture, I would say. So there's been a lot of research on the Mediterranean diet, um, which is associated, it's been associated with reducing risks for cognitive decline and neurodegenerative disease. Um, and so what's, you know, that diet just includes a lot of foods that are rich in antioxidants, um, like vitamin C and E, things that help protect against oxidative stress and inflammation. So inflammation is a huge, um, plays a huge role with keeping the brain healthy, especially when you think about um, some of these diseases like dementia. Um, anytime you can reduce inflammation, reduce oxidative stress, and we know that foods play such a big role in doing that, um, that's really important. So knowing that, you know, having, making sure you're incorporating foods that are going to do that. Yeah. And then, like I said, um, just knowing that things that are heart healthy, things that are good for your body are also good for your brain. So there's the benefits there too. But I think like, I don't know, it's like you hear about, you know, 
turmeric or these other, or like, I, I feel it's funny that I mentioned Moringa, um, but it's like, but again, it's like, why are you doing it? Not because, oh, this one thing in isolation is going to be my magic pill. And if I just do that every morning, then I don't have to worry about getting dementia. No, it's like that one little thing is, you know, um, I also say this too, and I think we cover this probably on, um, there's another myth about the supplements, um, (laughs) that maybe we'll just segue right into, but yeah, um, but yeah, just this idea that, supplements can really boost your intelligence or enhance your memory. Um, And I think that there's so much on the market right now about that. It's a very, I mean, neuro wellness is a really hot topic and who doesn't want their brain to be healthy, right? And keep it healthy their whole life. Absolutely. Um, I know I do. So when we're thinking about supplements, you know, there's a ton out there. We know that it's not regulated by the FDA. And so it's just a word of caution to the wise, right? Like, um, and to know that, I think a lot of times people think like, oh, well, I'll just invest in this one, you know, expensive, fancy supplement that's supposed to do this and this for me. And it's like, well, if you're not getting the basics, if you're not sleeping seven to nine hours a night, if you're not getting the proper other just basic nutrients you need, um, you're not, you know, you, you are consuming a lot of processed foods, a lot of sugar, a lot of alcohol. Um, you're not getting drinking enough water. It's like that one supplement cannot cancel out all of these other lifestyle choices. So it's like, it just has to be taken in context of like, um, yeah. So I just think people think everyone wants a magic bullet. Right. And it's like, it would be great. I can just take this, but it's like, that won't, that won't make up for poor lifestyle choices. Um, or I don't like the term poor lifestyle choices, I guess, just like either not knowing better or, um, you know, or to, or knowing, and then choosing to not prioritize certain things. So I think it's definitely just for anyone to hear that, to not be overwhelmed, but also to know that it really is just small changes every day um, that you can make. And so I think that there is a place for supplements. If you know, um, like I know most people have a vitamin D deficiency or, you know, magnesium can be really helpful, but it's all about knowing your body, um, you know, knowing the form that you need because it may not even be um, bioavailable to you. And so just, yeah, there's so much nuance there. So I think just um, knowing that, yeah, there are, if you're going to invest in anything, invest in the basics and, Mm. um, you know, and then be working with a professional that can help you know exactly what types of supplements you need for you. Yeah. I feel like you're saying everything that we already say, which is good. Cause sometimes if I have people on that, I don't know real life, I'm like, I don't know what they're going to say, but we'll just wing it and hope for the best. (laughs) But no, yeah, we always say the same things where it's like, not one food is going to solve everything. And I'm always like, if you're taking a supplement, like that's fine, but you better be eating all your fruits and vegetables and exercising first. Cause there's a lot of free things you can do. So at least just like, don't be feeling like you have to spend all this money on these supplements. But, um, it sounds like you're kind of echoing the same thing. It's like, it might not hurt you, but overall we need to see like lifestyle changes. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Um, I think the third misconception you had was avoid eating fat. Can you kind of speak to that? I feel like you kind of did with that Mediterranean diet, but can you talk a little bit more about that? So I don't know if most people know this, but about two thirds of your brain is actually made up of fat. So fat forms um, the myelin that wraps around the axon of the neurons that helps conduct the electrical signal faster from brain cell to brain cell. So you want a fatty brain. Um, Now, not all fat is created equal. Um, I'm sure you speak to this a lot. And so we know that um, there's research that supports incorporating healthy fats into your diet, like oily fish, olive oil, 
nuts, seeds, avocado, those things can be really beneficial for brain health. Our bodies don't actually produce omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, so we have to get them from our food. Um, we know research has shown that omega-3s may be neuroprotective um, and slow cognitive decline in healthy aging individuals. Um, so we know that that's something that's important and, and best to, um, like you mentioned, get it through, better to get it through a food than through a supplement. So, you know, again, supplements have their place, um, but to really the way that natural foods are made, like for example, like an oily fish, like um, whether it's sardines or anchovies or salmon, um, but that that is going to be the perfect combination of, you know, amino acids and all these other things that your body can then break down and use the best. When we pull things out in isolation, it's a little bit different. So just knowing that like incorporating healthy fats is a great, um, great way to be taking care of your brain. There was a question there. Are there any specific foods you can eat to make you like more or less concentrated? Or even I think there's a lot of questions that I get a lot too, or about like, what's the specific food? So would that kind of be your answer to that? Like maybe focusing on healthy fats or is it hard to answer? Um, okay. So with more focus and concentration, I feel like, I feel like one big thing that comes up a lot is brain fog. So mm. I know for me, um, if you have say certain food allergies or intolerances that you're maybe not aware of, mm. or maybe your body is telling you, but you're not used to reading those signals or you don't realize, or you haven't made that connection. Um, I know for me, like before I realized I had a gluten sensitivity or really an intolerance, um, that when I would eat, I always get, share the story about how, um, we have these Friday lunch lectures at work and they would cater and the catering company used to give these giant cookies. Like they were like these amazing. And I have a sweet tooth. So like these chocolate chip cookies, like sometimes they'd have like chunks of Reese's in there, like just really like, and this was like, this was years ago, but, um, but yeah, I would eat, if I had one, I would just be falling asleep at my desk after like, could not concentrate so tired, so brain foggy. Mm. And it's like, yeah, well, um, you know, when you're that gut brain connection, it's like, it was telling me like it was causing inflammation and then that inflammation was affecting, um, my ability to focus. So I think sometimes maybe people don't realize, um, you know, when, if you're having trouble concentrating notice, like, or maybe, maybe you've, have, are jittery because you haven't eaten or you can't, you know, it's hard to focus. Like the body likes to be in balance. So if you've had too much or not enough, um, it is going to be hard for you to focus on anything to get into more deeper level thinking tech concentration. Um, we know also that, yeah, your body kind of needs to feel safe in order to be able to really engage your frontal lobe and, and concentrate. Um, so I think those are some things to think about. And then in terms of food, so it's like, yeah, it's really knowing yourself and observing like, okay, I ate that. And then how did it make me feel? Was I lethargic? Was I sluggish? Was I having brain, you know, difficulty concentrating and then just kind of play around with it. So it takes a little bit of trial and error, or you can, you know, you can do sensitivity testing and things like that, which I think are super interesting. Um, but also the best the best is to just like, I mean, maybe it's keep a food journal. Maybe it's not, maybe it's just like times you really need to focus. You pay attention. Like what did I have for breakfast? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's, it's, it can be a little bit different for everybody. I feel like this question might've been trying to get at more of like, is there a supplement for this or something like that? But I think like the best thing that actually improves focus and concentration is sleep. <laughs> so getting oh. enough sleep, <laughs> getting seven to nine hours of sleep a night um, helps immensely with focus and attention. And then, and so, yeah, like if you pulled an all nighter or you only got like a few, say four hours of sleep, no food is going to like mm. perk you up and be able to make up for that. So kind of like we were talking about earlier. 
That's a good point that a lot of people don't think about because it's like not sexy and it's free and there's no supplement for it, but it's like, yep, just sleep can solve so many things. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, A lot of times when we are talking about uh, weight loss, which is primarily what I deal with, with millennials, it's a lot of just like making new habits. And I'm sure there's some sort of connection there with the brain and neuroscience. How can somebody maybe utilize neuroscience or understand it to help them make new habits? Habit formation is hard. Um, It is, you know, we have this flexibility of neuroplasticity where we can, we can, we have an incredible ability to adapt and learn new things. So I want to start there. Um, But it is hard because our brain likes to be efficient. And so the things that we always do, it creates shortcuts and it strengthens those connections so that it just happens more automatically. So it is hard to, to break that. I will say some tools that you can use. So there's kind of this breaking the bad habit and then establishing the new good habit. And it's great to do them hand in hand of, as you're say, you've maybe just done the behavior you don't want to do um, in that same moment, then correct and do the behavior you do want to do. So it's like kind of like that pathway is active because you've just activated it. You just did it. And then that's an opportunity to create change um, because you have just more neuroplasticity available. So there's kind of that aspect of just understanding, you know, what you're up against, but also, so knowing that you have to be intentional, like things don't just new habits don't just form. You've got to, you do have to set up some things, um, guardrails for yourself to help yourself do that. In terms of, I really nerd out on behavioral science and behavior change and what are things that we can do to help actually form brain healthier habits. There's several different, um, I guess there's different theories in out there about that. One of them I'll mention that is from BJ Fogg, who has written um, Tiny Habits. So he's all about kind of having, you have your... Um, like an action that, um, is sort of the trigger for reminding you to do this thing. Um, then you have the behavior. And then once you've done the behavior, you, you celebrate because we know that when we, when we feel good, our brain wants to reproduce that. And so when we associate something with, oh, this is a good, pleasant thing, this is rewarding. I want you, it helps to kind of reinforce it. So for example, um, if you were trying to drink more water, I know you mentioned you guys are, um, talking about hydration. And so like, maybe it's in the morning, morning you wake up and it's like, so the action is after I start the coffee maker, after I brush my teeth, after I, you know, let the dog out, like pick what it is. And then the behavior is I will drink a glass of water or like, I will fill up my water bottle for the day, or I will, you know, however you want that to look. And then when you do that thing, you drink the glass of water and then you have to mentally like do a happy dance and be like, yes, I did it. And, you know, figure out whatever your kind of celebration is. Um, that can really help. Yeah. That's a good segue into our, um, big reason why I brought you on was for our, um, month or in millennial living, which is our membership program. We focus on a theme and I try to bring on experts to kind of talk about the theme. And so for hydration, I was like, I think we can make a gap with a, a like connection with brain health. So can you kind of, uh, maybe talk about how there's a connection there? Like how does hydration status impact the brain? If you are dehydrated, it can impair cognitive performance, which can affect 
concentration makes you have increased reaction times. You can have short-term mm-hmm. memory problems, moodiness, anxiety. So being dehydrated, um, just simply drinking water can actually be an incredible brain boost that is incredibly underutilized. Oh. Um, yeah. And when you drink water, it also helps um, maintain, I mean, when your body is hydrated, like you know, we're what 70% water, the brain is a good percentage of water. And so drinking water also helps maintain healthy blood circulation. And so I mentioned blood flow is really important because that's what brings glucose and oxygen to your brain cells, which is absolutely essential for your neurons to function. So um, I think people don't often make the connection between like, I'm thirsty or I'm dehydrated and like actually how that's impacting a lot of cognitive function. And then, you know, if you're, if it's kind of a dehydration from like exercise or being just in the Texas heat, like we are, um, you know, when you sweat, you're not just sweating out water, you're sweating out salt, iodine, selenium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, copper, zinc, iron, like you're losing all these minerals that are really important for tons of functions. Um, And so also to keep in mind that if you are drinking just water, that that won't rehydrate you if you've like done a sauna or, you know, you're outside or you're just doing an intense exercise. Um, So anyway, so big fan of salt, big fan of electrolytes. Um, You can make your own, just even adding like citrus to your water. Um, I love doing that and it just tastes good. So, um, so yeah, there is a huge connection between hydration and brain health. And that's one simple thing you can do is simply um, be understanding how much water you need to be drinking and set goals for yourself around that and make it easy to, um, yeah, just not, not have dehydration be a factor in poor brain performance. That's interesting about the blood flow. That's another thing my uh, therapist, my physical therapist has talked about, which is interesting when like everybody from different disciplines ends up kind of talking about the same thing and how blood flow is helpful for so many things, giving more oxygen, giving nutrients. And I never thought about the brain needs that too. All right. This question is actually from one of our other coaches. So I really wanted to make sure to include it, include it. And is, um, can you comment on what sugar does to the brain? And I also feel like this is, I don't know if it's still a hot topic. I feel like a while back, there was like that big thing with like sugar addiction. What about, do you know anything about that? So it's not my personal area of research, but we do have um, other collaborators and researchers that we work with that have done a lot of work around this. And yeah, I mean, sugar actually activates the same pathways, addiction pathways as nicotine, which is really fascinating. Um, Sugar is actually able to rewire frontal networks the same way that alcohol does. Um, Sugar is incredibly addicting from the standpoint of these other substances that we know are all are very addictive. Um, And then depending on the type of sugar, like fructose, for example, actually changes the physical structure of the prefrontal cortex. Um, And I kept mentioning earlier, the frontal cortex is our hub. It's like the brain CEO for all sorts of executive functions like decision-making or inhibition, importantly, which inhibition is your ability to um, stop yourself from doing something, like stop yourself from having the fifth cookie or the, you know, like whatever it is. Um, So yeah, definitely know that sugar is impacting um, the way the frontal networks operate. um, And it's using some of those same pathways as things like nicotine. And to think about a lot of time without realizing it, um, using sugar or food as a medication for stress. Um, and so we see this as like, or it not, it doesn't even have to be stress. It could just be any uncomfortable emotion. Like I don't want to feel that. So instead I'm going to just eat this. And so then the addiction is reinforced in a whole other way, um, of this is the coping mechanism and I'm using this instead. So I don't have to feel this uncomfortable emotion. Um, and so, 
to that, the reason I bring that up is just to say that it's not just about avoiding sugar. Like we know that sugar actually, I mean, it impacts the hippocampus region of the brain. There's all, you know, specific things that are actually at a structural level harming the physical health of your brain. Um, but that it's not just about avoiding sugar. It's about actually getting to the root cause, which is stress or that mm. emotional regulation and to to develop better, um, a better lifestyle or just healthier habits and ways to cope and manage with that stress so that it's not, that's not kind of the go-to that's then reinforced and super addicting. So um, just to know that like a lot of that really ties back to kind of a whole seemingly unrelated topic, but is very closely related. No, that does make sense. And it kind of reminds me of what you're talking about with the habit. So if we were to tie that into the habit, because this is something I personally struggle with, because I feel like it was established when I was very young that like on a hard day, we have a milkshake. So it's like, I feel like something I've always battled ever for a long time. And it kind of happened this week where I'm like trying to have less sugar, trying to have less desserts, but it's like so hard when it's like, okay, I had the worst day on the other day. And I'm like, I have peach ice cream in the freezer. And then I just ate it. But is that what you're saying? Like about that habit, like a good thing to do if we're trying to use neuroscience would be to like, let's not have the ice cream, but then what are you saying? Like replace it maybe with a different habit, like watching episode of TV and then being proud of that. Or could you walk me through like an example like that? Yes. So I would say, love that example. I think, um, or also let's like back up even and think about being just proactive. So like, so we'll talk about kind of to set yourself up, but then when you get, okay. So prior think of like, um, throughout the day, like stress is building up or we're back to back to back. We're on the go where there's a lot happening or some, whatever it was. So like something that I talk a lot about is just even taking brain breaks, like taking five minutes, a few times throughout the day, it can be as short as two to three minutes, but having those pauses so that again, we're managing and regulating stress rather than let it accumulate. So that by the end of the day, you're just like, I need something, you know, I need a treat. Um, and to really understand that that isn't actually a treat for your brain that there's, I created a post about, you know, treat yourself. And it was, it's just like, what do people say? The things that are, I guess, culture celebrates as a treat are actually things that end up making you feel worse or, or are not healthy for your brain. So it's like, you know, it's like, if I actually want to treat my brain, like I'll drink a glass of water, right? Like that's not like the wine isn't, isn't, it's not a treat in anyway, depending on how you want to think about it. But so I would say like coming up with a lifestyle or just even having a habit of like walking every morning or being able to like have these little things along the way so that you're better when the stress does hit, you're more resilient and you're better able to kind of manage it. Okay. So then now let's talk about when it has hit, you're already there. It's okay because this happens to everybody. And no matter how proactive you are, you're still going to have moments where you're like, man, that was just a hard day or like, here's what happened. So I think to your point, you're having to dismantle whatever the old pattern was of like, oh, a hard day equals I get a milkshake and that makes it better. Right. So it's like thinking really like what, what is actually going to make me feel better? Right. Is that like, do I need connection? Do I need to talk to someone? Do I need um, to be alone and process and journal? Do I need to just like take a hot bath and like, you know, do I need to take a walk? Do I need to like love on my dog? Like what, you know, like what is it that's going to actually, um, really be nourishing for myself? Like what's going to care for me in this moment and like refuel me rather than do something that's only going to actually add more fuel to the fire and deplete me more. Um, so to know, like, because yeah, whatever kind of short-term coping it is, it always, it ends up not really in alignment with what you actually wanted. So, but the other thing I'll say too, on that is like, have treats, like have the, you know, like it's the whole thing of not living so rigidly that like, we don't feel the need to like, have to also, um, 
splurge at the same time or like making it so that it's like, yeah, sometimes I'm like, you know what, like this was a long week or this was a hard week. And like, I want to celebrate by like baking some, you know, healthy brownies, right? Like I want to celebrate by making like a, a healthy dessert. Like it's a frozen yogurt, whatever, but it's like, it's still, it feels like a treat, but it's not like, I'm going to still feel good after I have this. And so I think that um, one other thing that I'll kind of think to myself is like, how would I like to feel right now? And like, is that behavior going to help me feel that way? And just like, just asking myself that a little, oh, and this is what I was going to say earlier. Um, Interrupting things with curiosity is a really helpful way to break, um, especially things like if you're trying to form new habits. Um, But yeah, interrupting kind of maybe an uncomfortable emotion or or a thought that we don't like with a question and can be really helpful. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I will say my successful clients, when I ask them, like, how did you like get over emotionally? And they're like, well, I just think like, how am I going to feel after this? And I feel like you're kind of like speaking to that of like, take a second, ask yourself, is this actually going to make you feel better? And then execute maybe on that. Yes. Um, The other one, the other random audience question we got that I thought was good since people are going back to school is any best snacks for busy college students to help the brain function? I mean, maybe you always spoke to this, but what would you say to a college student? Man, I wish that there was really great on the go options, but there just aren't. There's definitely more and more. I would say things are getting better, but in general, um, you do want to avoid processed packaged foods. So a lot of things that are marketed as like quick, healthy, like, you know, bars, things like that, just they aren't great. And so if you can focus on whole real food. So maybe that's like nut butters or nuts, um, which is great for protein, like maybe like a beef stick kind of thing for like quick protein. Um, I'm just thinking about the things that I like to try to do when I travel, um, which is usually those, but I mean, the more like, you know, or even having like, um, yeah, fruit, like with some nuts or nut butter to help kind of balance, um, balance that. But yeah, I think to feel, to really fuel your brain with what it needs is, um, and I, I don't have the authority to say this, so I'll just share what works for me, I guess, um, in terms of like, it's like having, you know, having well-balanced meals. So it's like paying attention, like just because you're a busy college student. And I always kind of thought of this too, when I was in grad school of just like, just because culture is all like, it's normal and acceptable to be like, yeah, I just like ordered pizza at 2am. And I just like, I'm living off of Starbucks. And like, it's just kind of like, you can do that. But like, that's not what's going to help your brain do its best. And so if you actually want to do well on that test, or you actually, you know what I mean? Like you care about retaining this information longer term, um, then your brain needs different fuel than that. And it obviously, and it needs sleep, which I can't reiterate enough. But, um, but yeah, just to, to think about like, how can I, again, like you said, it's about lifestyle. So it's knowing like scheduling your life so that you can sit down and have a meal so that you're not just like, you know, in the car on the go or like having to pick up something and then compromise the quality of your food or whatever, because it's fast. Like, I think there is no quick fix or fast, fast route. It's like, you've got to get groceries and you've got to, you know, but I mean, I do think that there are ways to do it that make it so manageable. Like, I think that, um, I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and you're saying all the things that I normally say, it just is like, just goes back to the basics. Like, you know, I don't hear you saying that like, oh, you need to really make sure to have like four almonds every day for your best like brain health. I hear you saying yeah. like, yeah, you know, eat normal foods, but overall we need balance. We need low stress. We need sleep. Um, so yeah, it doesn't sound like you're saying anything that is honestly that different from what I say, which is good. Good. I'm glad we're in alignment there. Um, so kind of wrapping everything up, what is one tip or actionable step somebody should implement after listening to this episode? Do you think a habit that I love is just having 
a glass of water first thing every morning. Like that is just a great way to start your day. You're hydrating your brain. Um, it's an easy habit to control because you're home and it's morning and you're less likely to be interrupted. Um, we know mornings are usually the most successful habits that get implemented. So um, I know that sounds really boring maybe, but, um, but, you know, just doing that one act, um, you'd be surprised how you can build on that and, and to celebrate that, to celebrate just small, small steps and small victories. Love it. Love it. I don't know if you meant to, uh, advertise for our, again, our monthly theme, but I love that it is water focused. Um, if people have love this and they're like, oh my gosh, I need more information. This was just the beginning for me with learning about neuroscience and brain health. Where can people find you and follow you? Yeah. So my handle is just at Dr. Julie Fratantoni. And I, I don't do coaching or anything like that. Um, I do mostly, um, like I do a lot of speaking engagements or like corporate, um, type workshops. So, um, but yeah, feel free to connect with me, um, via Instagram, or I have a website as well, which I can give you the link for the notes. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Julie. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. For daily weight loss tips and nutrition information, you can find us on Instagram at the.millennial.nutritionist and on TikTok at millennial.nutritionist. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who needs encouragement on their health journey. See you in the next episode.